welcome to the podcast yet to be named. I'm Wes Magruder, and I'm here with my best friend, Collins Echiako. Say hello, Collins. Yeah, hello, Wes, and it's a pleasure for me to be on this podcast with you. What are we calling our podcast? I mean, I think we 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 said we we would say something without bothers. We just have to find that something then without bothers. Yeah, we we haven't quite. We've thrown out a lot of possible names, but uh, it, it, because we're going to talk about a lot of different things, that's the thing. We this this podcast is still yet to be fully formed. We the, parts of it will be funny. Uh, parts of it will be ministry centered some will be on mission some will be on how to how to stage a military coup um right oh maybe oh i shouldn't have said that should i yeah i mean that's the part we had said we wouldn't talk about it oh. it will be like yeah the, the hidden part of it so but, but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> okay Yes, absolutely. So if, if you have any ideas out there as you're listening, if you have any idea about what we should name this, then we would certainly appreciate your, uh, your suggestions. So all we have is without borders. We kind of even wanted to borrow for a while. We were thinking about um, the phrase from everywhere to everywhere, but that belongs to the General Board of Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church, and we're afraid they would sue us. So yeah, and we, 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 we might even lose our jobs as uh, global <laughs> ministries, missionaries, if we go use the uh, from everywhere to everywhere without getting the proper permission. So we just want to leave that with them and we, we, we go with without bothers why we look for the other part of uh, the statement. Okay, yeah, I, that's what we've decided. So please give us a... Uh, give us a shout out if you can think of anything but for now it is without borders with wes and collins podcast yeah yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah this is going to be kind of a weekly venture for us that's what we're aiming for um we are both missionaries with the board of global ministries uh, i am stationed mm -hmm. in south africa and collins is in democratic republic of congo so um collins i'm gonna let you kind of introduce yourself quickly and then I'll introduce myself. Okay, thank you, Wes. So, uh, like you said already, I'm Collins H. E. Ako. I'm uh, a global ministries missionary seven in the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, actually involved in post-conflict reconstruction, the post-conflict reconstruction effort of the East Congo Episcopal area, which is uh, a post-conflict context and the church is uh, there to be with different communities as they reconstruct, as they pick up the ruins and make some sense out of all of that. So I'm part of uh, uh, that effort and just witnessing to what God is doing in that context as the people there reconstruct. So that's what I do. Yeah, cool. Uh, I am uh, stationed in South Africa. I'm a lecturer at Seth Makatimi Methodist Seminary, which is the, the one seminary um, uh, owned and operated by the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. And so uh, I'm serving on the faculty here as a lecturer. I'm, I, I teach Methodist history, Methodist theology, ethics, and leadership as well. And my wife, Leah, is also a missionary. She uh, works 
in the academic development center and worked with students on their English and writing skills, et cetera. So um, now what you need to know if you're listening is how Collins and I know each other, because we don't just have this link as a common job, but um, I knew Collins when he was a little bitty boy in Cameroon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I was a, so I was previously a missionary in Cameroon, uh, which is where uh, Collins is from. And he was a young person at the time um, when we first arrived, and he became very involved. He was always involved in the Methodist Church there, and uh, eventually became a pastor. And um, he was my administrative assistant for a while before I had to leave. So we mm-hmm. just stayed in touch over the years, and and I think he kind of likes me still for. I don't know why for some reason but i'll let you say whether you like me or not but yes was i mean uh, it's I, I really bless bless the lord for letting our paths cross and uh was yeah. was has uh, been been a, a great great inspiration to the person that i've become today and uh, i don't get to tell him this often but he made a joke about uh if he ever converted somebody during his time as a missionary in Cameroon, then it, it, it must have been me. And uh, yes. I totally agree. Because our encounter has really shaped the person that I've become. And I think partly becoming a missionary for me is just walking in uh, Wes's uh, footstep. And um, wow. we've kept relationship for so many years now i think we first met was in 2003 or 2004 yeah. and uh, since then even after west left cameroon we've stayed in contact and when i visit the u.s i know i have a room at west's home and it's it's just been difficult west going back to the u.s <laughs> while you're in south africa so it's been a a great period of adaptation going through Dallas and not getting to visit with yeah, you but I know it's a blessing it's a blessing to know that you are a blessing to the people in South Africa where you are well it was uh thank you for those kind words but you know really I don't know how I would have survived in Cameroon without you to be really honest um especially mm-hmm. the last couple of years and uh, we have some really great memories together so uh, we're gonna. We will spend some time in the podcast talking about some of the experiences we had. Some are hard to believe, even now that we uh, kind of survived them. But uh, um, I want to ask you though, before we do anything else, I want to ask you uh, since we live in a strange time, what is it like um, regarding the pandemic right now, where you are? Um, What's happening in terms of COVID nineteen, and are you are you in lockdown or what? What's going on there? So I mean, since basically since uh, March, since March, I think March sixteen or so, there's been uh, lockdown. So where we live, actually in Kinshasa, you cannot get out of Kinshasa. So we've been in the same city now for the last five months, and churches are locked down. Churches are on lockdown and uh, just gatherings are forbidden and so it's it's really different considering that we are in ministry in a context where hugging and uh, being yeah. with the people is just part of life and so we we're struggling to adapt to that and uh it's it's just it's just very different 
is just very different. And we are just so looking forward to when we can get to meet in person and uh, be done with this uh, COVID uh, madness and return to some kind of uh, new normal. That's, that's how I've learned to call it, a new normal. So we are really, really looking forward to that. and. Uh, just looking forward to reconnecting with the people we are in ministry with. Yeah, yeah. And what about you, Wes? How is it like in South Africa? Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, there's been a major change. Um, as of midnight tonight, the, the president of South Africa spoke, uh, I think it was on Saturday night, announced that the uh, country was going to move to ease restrictions and we're moving to lockdown two, level two. So um, we, we originally back in March, about the same time as you went into lockdown level five, which is the most extreme, you know, where you couldn't really leave your house except, you know, to buy food or to go to the doctor. And then after, you know, six weeks of that, we moved to level four and then to level three. And now we're moving to level two starting tomorrow, which means basically almost all businesses are back open. Restaurants, um, um, they, they're lifting the ban on alcohol and on tobacco, which had been really controversial. So everything's mm -hmm. kind of returning back to normal tomorrow. We'd already invited all of our students back to campus. Uh, we started the semester two weeks ago, uh, but, but within two days, we had a student test positive for COVID-19. Mm. So we had to shut the seminary back down for 10 days. And okay. today, today is actually the day that we reopened again. So um, I feel like, you know, things are, are, are sort of back to normal and uh, I'm happy about that. It, it's, it's been difficult, of course, and we had some some family concerns because uh, when when everything locked down back in March, we tried to get Mallory, our youngest daughter, here to South Africa. In fact, she had a plane ticket to come here because her school had shut down. So we were going to fly her here. Mm. This this the uh, her college was going to fly her here for us so that she could wait okay. out the pandemic. She had her plane mm. ticket in hand. Was about three or four hours from leaving, uh, was about to go to the airport when we, we called the embassy here and they said, don't send her because they won't let her into the country. So hmm. we had to cancel the flight and then we tried hard to get to America. So nothing, it was just too late. So that's the only thing we just wish we had been with, you know, Mallory, because she could have her here with us. But uh, otherwise, we're doing fine and are happy about it. Um, yeah. I mean, that must have been very, very difficult for you and your family. I mean, back here, back here, we, we, there's this thing about denial. So people are not really accepting that it's there. I mean, some people say it's real COVID, it's real, others say it's not, it's a Western thing and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, that's a big challenge here in uh, the DRC and I think in some parts of Africa. But I remember you had shared something about why it's spreading so fast in South Africa. You had said something about funerals, can, can you? Pick up a bit on that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in fact, th there's several people we know who've caught COVID-19, and in, in every case, it's the fact that they were at a funeral, and mm. it's generally believed that that's where they they picked picked it up. Um, 
there is a there there has been during the lockdown this restriction on the number of people who can attend a funeral but it is routinely broken we know that because mm. funerals funerals here in south africa are a very huge deal i mean you if someone you know dies you go to the funeral and so it's virtually impossible to tell south africans to restrict their funerals to 50 people or 10 people or 20 people and so funerals have just been the place where I, I believe COVID has been spreading. Is that the same in DRC? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been to two funerals already with uh, the, the bishop here. And the, I think the authorities, the state authorities here really do understand that that, that is where it really happens. And so they are really very, very strict on uh, who gets to the funeral, to the mortuary, and how do people move around and things like that. How many people can actually uh, gain access to the mortuary or the funeral home? And they've actually closed down some of the funeral funeral homes here just so people don't gather in large crowds. And when when you talk about funerals, I do actually remember the first <laughs> the first funeral we went to when you were serving as a missionary in Cameroon. Oh and, my uh, goodness! <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'll never forget that. Never. It, it brings back. I mean, it makes me laugh. It, it's I mean, funerals are sad, but just. Just thinking about your experience uh, makes me laugh. I remember, I think it was it was Simeon, Simeon who had lost a brother, and Simeon, Simeon, um, for those uh, who don't know him, Simeon was uh, one of the pastors under West's leadership. And back, back, back here, the normal thing is for, for, for the leader or for whoever is in a position of authority to go assist. Yeah, the family right. has lost somebody. So it was just normal and it was expected even of West to go attend this funeral. And so we show up at this funeral ground and the corpse is, is in the casket and uh, the family is gathered there. No, no, and, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. The thing about the casket, I had never seen this before. There was a, it wasn't a closed casket, but it wasn't an open casket. It was a casket that had a window where the, mm -hmm. where the head is, where the face is. So you could, feel, you could see the face of the corpse. I've never in my life seen that before. So, no. so, the, so, the, so the casket is lying in the living room, right? They've just set it right mm -hmm. there in the living room. Yes, yes, and and so the 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 window is so the, the the cover is actually divided into two, such that there's an upper shorter portion which is the window that is open for we we call it here viewing. So that's how you open that part so people actually get to see the face of uh, the disease. And um, so I, I remember I think it was Simeon's mother who yeah. came up casket and started speaking to the cops and uh, crying and talking to the cops and and was actually freaked out was this what is happening Collins, what? <laughs> no, she wasn't just she wasn't just talking to the corpse i mean she was she was very angry with it she was acting like she was going to you know punch him or hit him because yeah. she was yelling at him she was screaming and yeah, I was like, what is happening? I, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm standing, I was like standing next to her. 
And I, the, uh, I didn't know if I was supposed to say something or pray or what. <laughs> yeah. So she, she was she was having a difficult conversation with the with the cops. <laughs> And like, 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 like legend, you know, actually, yeah, yeah, we have that understanding that the son has to bury all the, the children have to bury their parents. And so she was, I think at that time, what she was actually telling the son and being very angry about it is, I'm not the person who is supposed to be burying you. And she was yeah, screaming. Right. And, and uh, remember, we, we also have that conception here that uh, people pass on to another life. I mean, which is what we Christians would say, the eternal life or, inter or eternal condemnation. Yeah. So it, it's also the same even for people who don't go to church or people who don't uh, believe in Christ and things like that. They also believe in a life after this life. And so he was, she was actually hoping that he was getting every word of what she was saying, whatever. <laughs> and, and, and just knowing that she's angry about the fact that he has left before her. And uh, so it's, 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 it's a common practice here. From, from a Western point of view, it, to me, as I reflected back on it, it was, we talk about the stages of grief, you know, like... Mm. And when we do grief counseling, we say, oh, well, uh, when you lose somebody, you know, you might experience shock and then you might experience anger and then you might experience sadness and then you might experience, you know, and, and all these things we say can happen over a long period of time. But I think she went through all the stages of grief in like five minutes, right, right there in front of everybody from, yeah. you know, from the anger to then the sadness to the. It was just, it was just really, really wild. I had never really seen that before. Um, yeah. So it makes me wonder, you know, maybe that's a healthier way of doing things than, you know, in, in the American context, because at least my observation is of doing funerals now for, you know, a long period of time in the U.S. is they're very, um, very solemn occasions, mm. right? The only emotions you're allowed to have in a funeral are some laughter if somebody tells a funny story about the deceased or some tears, but nothing but like sobbing, like really loud crying is not really allowed and certainly not shouting. And you know, Wes, I've actually, I've actually asked myself that question recently, like when, when do you all really cry when a person, uh, Mm -hmm. dies when, when do you all cry because i mean i've, I've never attended a, a funeral in the u.s but i've watched a lot of funerals and movies and uh, <laughs> yeah, right. like you said so solemn and i'm like how how do you all deal with the pain the pain of when do you cry when, when do you shout at the cops when do you get <laughs> at the <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You know, that's that's a really good question. Um, and you know, in the in the U.S., just like I, I think in the African, like a traditional African um, process. Of course, the African funeral process is longer. It takes place over a longer time. And I guess mm. standard in the U.S. is first you have the funeral service, which is usually in a church or some kind of chapel, and then you have the burial. And so those, those two things can happen one after the other, 
but usually with a little bit of time in between, like an, a half hour, an hour, so you can get to the grave. And I would mm. say that the, 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 the service tends to be the more solemn one. The graveside can be a little bit more emotional, but it mm-hmm. once again, I think we Americans, we kind of have this fear of letting our emotions show in front of other people. So mm. even then, it, it's kind of hard to really let yourself go. I just don't think it happens. And, and I don't know. Once again, I'm kind of wrestling with whether that's healthy or not. I, I wonder if it's healthier in the African system or process. Yeah. And you know what's, what? That's, that's something that uh, this, COVID, this COVID pandemic is kind of changing the way we grieve back here in Africa. Because, I, I mean, it is expected that, uh, like, two hours, three hours, just depending on where you find yourself, that the the person who dies has to be buried within a very short uh, period of time. And back here, we were just used to, like like you saw when you went to this funeral, uh, when you were here, in the, when you were back here, seven in uh, Cameroon, uh, the, the whole viewing thing would last a whole night. And uh, so the casket is open at the level of the window and people come around and cry and those who want to get angry at the, uh, the, the, the cops would get angry at the cops and uh, talk to the casket and, and things like that. But now with the COVID and the preventive measures and all of that, people are expected to bury the dead like hours after they die. And in some cases, they don't even have access to the cops. So when you die, there's a special team from the Ministry of Health or some other place that comes in and then takes the cops and goes and buries the cops. So you see, it's kind of like changing the way we we bury our dead and uh, just changing the way we grieve. And uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's, it's different. That's not something we're used to. And, and you know something I've been thinking about, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now friends with a lot of people in the US and uh, I, I'm actually friends with uh, some persons who are struggling with cancer and who might die soon. And, and, and I, I get to think about, okay, if, if that happens and I happen to be at the funeral, these are very good friends of mine. And I would really love to be there when they die to just pay my last respect. And I get to think about how, how, do, I, how do I behave myself uh, such that I'm not an embarrassment to the family <laughs> or something like that. It's just different. I mean, yeah. from, from where I come from, I would want to shout and cry and just talk, talk to my friend in his casket and let him know that I'm there and that I'm in pain and that I cherish every moment that we got to share together and just pray for his soul or her soul to find rest. You can shout at my funeral. I'll it's, it's very different, you know. <laughs> well, you have permission to say whatever you want at my funeral, except, except and this is a difference too. You know, the, the, the practice of cremation is becoming more and more prevalent in the U.S., of, and in fact, that's what Leah and I want to have happen when we die. We want to have our bodies burned and then, and then our, our children can keep the ashes or they can, you know, scatter them wherever they want. Um, actually, I would like to have my ashes scattered in Africa on the continent somewhere here. But 
but is the idea of so I'm curious, is that a, a totally foreign idea to the African, the idea of, of having your body cremated rather than buried? I think it's it's so foreign <laughs> because oh. I mean, yeah, for, for for us, the the grave the grave side of the disease is, is so important. So people want to say, okay, this is where he was buried, and and not like this is where he's ash. That we would actually think that uh, cremation is, I mean, I know people who would say it's disrespectful, <laughs> it's not treating the cops properly. And uh, so it's, it's, it's something that is really foreign to us because we want to identify this is where Collins was buried, uh, not, not this is where his ash was thrown and things like that. But I think it's gradually evolving because uh, today I know people who would say, okay, I don't want my cops to hang around for more than two hours. I mean, I've said that before myself, like if I die at midday, I want to be buried by 1 p.m. if it's possible. Because I mean, I just I just think that hanging around longer with my cops is like extending the pain and uh, just getting rid of the cops might reduce some of that pain. Well, when I look at my own experience of uh, losing uh, my parents and stuff like that, I, I just think if they had been buried earlier, then it would have uh, eased some of the pain of going for days, just knowing that um, they are still around, but I can't talk to them. I, I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how long, how long would it normally take? In, in your setting to, from the time someone dies, how long would it take for someone to actually be buried? So just a quick example. So if my mother was still alive and let's say she dies uh, today, mm -hmm. uh, part of what they would try to do is to keep her for as long as I can make it back home. Okay. So they would want for the children to be there they, they would want for her sister, if she has a sister, brother, just close families who are far away to be around as they bury her. And uh, this this might take, I've, I've heard cases where the cops has been in the mortuary for two months just because they are waiting for somebody who has to come in from the U.S. to be part of the funeral program. So it, it, it takes it takes a while. So. So yeah. and that's that's something I'm thinking. I, I don't want to. Wes, you know what? When I'm done with life on this earth, I want to exit it as quick as I can and <laughs> and uh, reduce the pain of those who are hanging around. I don't yeah. want to think. I don't want to think that my children would have to deal with a month of grief just because they are hanging on to my corpse and waiting for when it will be buried. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know this. Uh... I think we ought to kind of wrap up our first podcast, but we should do so since we're talking about death and funerals. Um, we should probably pay uh, notice to the fact that we received news just yesterday, Sunday, August 16th, of the death of a United Methodist Bishop, uh, Bishop John Yambasu from Sierra Leone, who is someone I've never mm. met him. I, I have had some contact with him by email, but Collins. You had some direct experience with him, and uh, you just want to say a word about what he what he meant to you and means to you. I mean, I just I just want to say yesterday when I received news of uh, bishops uh, passing on to glory, 
I was I was really very saddened because I was so looking forward to when I would get to visit uh, with his Episcopal area and maybe organize a leadership uh, workshop for seminarians around his area, just in appreciation of uh, his uh, leadership, but also in appreciation of his friendship. And uh, I mean, he, he was one of those I turned to when I wanted to uh, take on my doctorate program and I said that I wrote, I sent him an email and I'm like, Bishop, you might not remember meeting me in uh, 2002. This was like 18 years ago, but I really need your advice. I'm trying to find a school where I can do my doctorate program in leadership. And he writes back like two hours later and he says, Common Collins, I sure do remember meeting you in Cameroon when I was doing a workshop for young people. And I think it's a wonderful thing for you to want to do a doctorate program. I am actually going to put you in contact with some friends at Asbury and then you can move on from there. So uh, all of that came to happen and I got enrolled and I'm gradually concluding my time with Asbury. And I was so looking forward to going back to his Episcopal area and sharing with him how much I've been blessed participating at this doctorate program and also just sharing that knowledge with people under his leadership and uh, every every year actually I would send him uh, my um, my 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 results for the school year just so he knows how I'm progressing and it's it's really sad for the church in Sierra Leone but I would say it's also very sad for the United Methodist Church as a whole. This is this is uh, somebody who was really doing everything possible within his own capacity to place missions at the center yeah. of our conversation about uh, the division in our church. He was doing everything possible to place mission at the center. And he was actually a great inspiration, even to me when it came to conversations about the United Methodist Church. During this time, I had opted also to place missions at the center because I thought that's something we could talk about without uh, having to be uh, disrespectful of one another or being hard on one another. So it's a great loss and I just pray uh, that God consoles his family and our church during this time and uh, God 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 knows why God knows why uh, John, Bishop Yambisu was a previous global mission global ministries missionary just like us so in that sense he he was a colleague and we shared a background with him um, he was killed uh, on Sunday morning he was in a road accident we don't know any more than that he was killed on his way to the north of Sierra Leone to conduct a funeral, I believe, of a, of a clergy person who had died. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know more than that, but he died in an accident. This is very tragic. And, and I would, uh, I completely, I uh, would second your comments, Collins, because he was a, not only was he a, a, a great Episcopal leader here on the continent, but I, I saw him as really kind of taking even some prominence within, you know, within the whole connection around the world. Um, he had a very loud voice, a strong voice for mission, and he was a part of this group that met, I think, in December to 
really try to come up with constructive ways forward um, um, in anticipation of the general conference that was supposed to happen this year, which is going to happen next year instead. So mm-hmm. our condolences, our prayers, our sympathies to the Yambasu family and, and to his mm-hmm. conference. It's a, it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, Collins, mm-hmm. I think we've successfully made it through our first episode, uh, our first episode of Something Something Without Borders, the podcast featuring Collins and Wes. So We'll see. We're going to try this again next week. And uh, please send us your comments. Send us questions. In fact, if you, if you want us to answer a question, we'd be happy to do that. But we're just going to continue to meet and talk about mission and ministry in the 21st century uh, all around the world, uh, whether you're a Methodist or not. Um, mm. So thanks for the time, Collins. And yeah. uh, we'll, see, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thank you, Wes, and uh, I'm so looking forward to our time together next week. Okay, peace out. Peace out.